Thank you, Karen. That was awesome. Wonderful. Were you blessed? I was blessed. All right, thank you, worship team. Give them a hand. They've been great. Yes, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's good. It's good to see what the Lord is doing in our lives. Say to your neighbor, I'm glad I came to church. You know, sometimes the preacher doesn't want to come to church. It's not just church members. Sometimes even the preacher, not today. Today I wanted to come. I'm just saying, I didn't get attacked like Frankie was. But uh, it's a very common thing. And um, in my journey as a believer, I remember those days when going to church was like wading water. You know, it was really, really hard. I just didn't like going to church. But then when I got there, it was really nice. But the process of actually going wasn't nice. How many of you experienced that sometimes? The process of going to church, at times going to a church service, is like, oh, do I really have to? Sunday morning sleep is very beautiful. Maybe those of you who are online, maybe you've experienced it. That's why you're online. I don't know. I'm just saying. Just saying. But um, it's, it's very normal. It's also part of the warfare it's part of the process of discipleship, and I encourage you not to be discouraged. If you succumb, uh, if you've succumbed, at least you've turned online. But uh, next, make sure you're in service next week. Amen. All right. Well, to, last last month we spoke about cell ministry, and today and this month we're going to focus on leadership as part of our emphasis this year of leap, which is leadership, evangelism, and the power of God. And so I want to talk about leadership, and throughout this month. And the next four weeks, whoever is going to speak, they're going to be mandated to speak on leadership in some way. Uh, Today, I want to speak on the call to leadership, the call to leadership. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. These verses are really the verses that we're going to camp around throughout next year. And so the different things that we're going to do um, throughout next year, we're going to camp around these verses. And uh, so what we're going to be looking at really is going to act as some kind of foundation for next year um, by God's grace. Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The call to leadership. Now, I want to ask you a few questions before we um, go any further. Uh, How many of you, in all honesty, See yourselves as a leader. In all honesty, you actually see yourself as a leader. If does you, can you raise your hand? Let me see. How many of you are unsure if you are a leader or not? Let me see. How many of you do not see yourselves as leaders? Be honest. Just raise your hand. Only one or two or three honest people. No, no. Okay, fine. Um, these are normal responses. Uh, Some of us or all of us or most of us may say we we see ourselves as leaders and that's great. Some of us may be unsure and that's okay and some of us may not see ourselves as leaders. But the reality is, in fact, before we talk about the reality, I want to ask another question. How many of you here see yourselves as leaders in the church? You see yourself as leaders in the church, okay? 
So the, the numbers are significantly less. Okay, fine. All right. So uh, the reality is, and, and this soul series, we're calling it The Disciple is a Leader. So that's the name of the series. The Disciple is a Leader. Say to your neighbor, The Disciple is a Leader. So that's the name of the series that I'm calling these four weeks as we focus on it. And if I continue next month, that's the series we're calling it. So what is a leader? Because most people, when they think of leader, they think of a position, they think of titles, uh, they think of prestige and honor. But what is a leader in reality? There are many great definitions uh, in, in the corporate world, in the business world, and so forth, and even in the church. But really and truly, when you break it all down, a leader is simply someone who has influence over others because leadership, in essence, is influence. Leadership is influence, the ability to influence others towards a specific objective is the essence of leadership. And a true leader, or a leader in its truest sense, will have followers. They will have individuals that follow their example. Now, it doesn't matter the context. It can be domestic, it can be in church, it can be in the workplace, it can be on the school playground, it can be in a student union, but the reality is leadership is everywhere and every one of us in some way or another are influencing others or are being influenced by others. I'll give you a few popular definitions of leadership. Leadership is the ability to inspire or influence others towards the leader's goal. Leaders have followers. That's one definition. This is all on, just Google it, it's there. Another one is leadership is the art of motivating a group of people to act towards achieving a common goal. Another one is leadership is the process of influencing the activities of an individual or a group in efforts towards goal achievement in a given situation. So you get the common theme. Leadership has to do with influence. Now, look at the scripture we read. Our Lord is speaking to us, his disciples or his church. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is what is commonly referred to as the, the, the citizen's charter for the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how the kingdom is to operate. And he says, he, he says you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. When we are naming children... One of the things in, in the West African culture anyway, when we name children in the West African culture, this is, this, what, one of the things that we do is that we like to prophesy and declare certain things over the children. And we use salt as a prophetic emblem and decree this verse over the child, that they are the salt of the earth. They will grow up to be the salt of the earth. He says, if salt loses this flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. In other words, as salt influences and, and has, a, has a bearing on how a food tastes, so believers are to have a bearing on their environment. As salt uh, has certain properties of healing and restoration within it, so believers are supposed to. But the essence is the influence of salt. And we as believers are to influence like salt influences. And then verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
In other words, as believers, for our world, the world being the context that is outside of the kingdom of God. That's the world. Any context outside of the rulership of the world, of the kingdom of God, sorry, is the world. And as believers, we are the light for that context. We are the ones that bring illumination to that context. But if we are hidden like a city, if we're hidden, then they will not get our benefit. But what he says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And the way in which the church corporately influences the world is when it is set on the hill of the Lord, which is the standard of holiness and righteousness. And from that place, it shines its light to the world. Remember the scripture, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? The hill of the Lord is the place of divine elevation, is the place of divine promotion. And the holy place of the Lord is the place that God is well pleased to abide in. And that is the mandate of the church. We are that city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. What is that light? That light is the gospel light that is um, uh, lit in the hearts of men and becomes a lampstand or the church of the living God. The church of the living God. When Jesus was speaking, our Lord was speaking to the seven churches in Asia Minor. He would say to them, warn them, listen, if you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand. I'll remove your lampstand. In other words, you will no longer have a witness for me. And he's saying here is this. We do not light a lamp Come to Christ, come to revelation, become his church, whether we are individuals or corporately, and then we put it under a basket. It's hidden. This is, a, this is the tragedy of the modern church. We are lamps under baskets, hidden. He says, but they put it on a lampstand. In other words, it's part of the body of Christ, the local church. It gets its light from that congregation and that community and it shines gives light to all that are in the house when Christ comes into your life and he begins to influence your heart light begins to shine and those in your environment begin to see the effects in that house he says in 16 let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Say to your neighbor, let your light shine. Let your light shine. We will look at that later, not in this teach, but in another teaching, the essence of how the light shines. So, but we can see this in these verses, the reality that the Christian believer is to influence like salt influences and is to influence like light influences. Amen. All right. So, the call to follow Jesus is a call to leadership. Now, before we go any further, the question I want to ask you is, seeing that you're salt and seeing that you are light, who do you influence? Who do you influence? Now, you may be providing leadership to others without even knowing or realizing it. Everyone is influenced by somebody. Who do you influence? And everyone allows others to influence them whether they realize it or not. 
And then the question is, who influences you? Who are you influencing? And who influences you? Again, you may be really surprised who and what influences you. I get surprised by some of the things that can influence this great man of God. Sometimes, if you watch certain programs too much, you might find yourself talking like them. Yeah. And reacting like them. Are you still here? A movie is influencing your life. What, 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 what kind of things do you like watching? What's the latest thing that is out? Don't pretend you don't know. What, what's, what's the latest thing that's out? X Factor. I, I saw somebody say X Factor is no longer X Factor. Or I don't even understand. I've never watched it for a long time like yesterday. No, I mean, no. No, X Factor. So, and what else is there? What else is there? The Great Wood? The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Who likes that? Who likes the Great British? Look at that. Look at that. One of the hardest things to watch. No, anyway, let's move. No, no, no. Sorry. Not in my house. Some people really like it. <clears throat> now, the question there is obvious because whether we realize it or not, we are influencing people, like I've already said, and also we are being influenced by others. Now, what we are talking about is the call upon us as believers to influence and to be, to be leaders. The question I asked you was, how many of you see yourself as a leader? Now, clearly, from what we've already established, potentially, all of us are called to influence our world. And as disciples who are or believers who are called to follow Jesus, the reality is that if we're called to follow Jesus, then he expects us to influence others or to provide leadership for others. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Very common verse. We're just using verses that we're all very familiar with. He says in verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, my personal view is this, is that the Lord used what they were doing to speak to them of a deeper truth. In other words, he met them as fishermen, and he said, you know, you're trying to catch fish, but if you follow me, I will cause you to not just catch fish, but to catch men. But he used their context to speak to them about his expectation on their life. In the same way, God, or our Lord Jesus, uses our context, the context he finds us in, to speak to us about his mandate for us to influence our world. So the call to follow Jesus is a call to leadership. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will cause you to catch men. The more you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the more confident you become as an individual. The more you get to know the Lord Jesus by revelation as the Spirit of God reveals him to you, not just by reading a book or reading the great book or the most important book, which is the Bible, it's not just by reading the Bible, it's by allowing the Holy Spirit to make the Bible real to you. 
The more you get to know the Lord Jesus, the more confident you become in God. He says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, listen, there is a difference between a person's natural disposition and the grace of God that comes upon a person. Many of us, our natural disposition will not allow us to stand in front of people and speak. But it's the grace of God that empowers and makes the difference. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes the difference. And beloved, I'm saying to you that when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, over a period of time, he transforms you. He transforms you and causes you to become one that can catch men, catch women, catch people for him. It's a fact. There is no individual, no matter what your disposition is, there's one lady, Helen Keller, born blind, and I think she couldn't even speak. And she became a very powerful, influential Christian leader. How is that possible? Now, she never experienced supernatural healing. It's not like she came to a Pentecostal church and we prayed and the supernatural power of God, it didn't happen. But she's a great Christian leader. What about you and I? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ makes the difference. I said Jesus Christ makes the difference. So the call to follow Jesus is a call to leadership. Don't ever allow your walk with God to be limited to church meetings. I like church meetings. I call a lot of them. In fact, I'd like to meet all the leaders after service over there for a brief conversation. All those in leadership, whatever leadership here, just five minutes after service, five past. I want to see you, talk to you for 10 minutes and then whatever things you have to do. So, I, I like meetings. Hallelujah. So, leaders, I'm not joking. After service, I need to see you. I'm, I'm not joking. It's not some joke. This is a fact. I need to have a, an interesting conversation with you. If you're a leader, say hallelujah. Yes, you're looking forward to that meeting. Gulp. All right. So, we are, as, 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 as followers of Jesus, there is a mandate to leadership. Can you say amen? Yeah. yeah. But apart from that, we are called by God or expected by God to influence our world with the fragrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our leadership is not, say, marketing or management techniques. It's not that. It's not um, being very clever, being very smart about uh, the processes and, uh, and uh, um, procedures. and uh, Now, I'm not knocking those things. Those things are important. And strategic analysis and critical analysis and uh, management techniques that allows the movements of power to distribute accordingly, whatever that means. It's not that. That's not what it's about. It's about... Jesus being revealed through our lives. 2 Corinthians 4, sorry, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. Paul the Apostle says this, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses or releases the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? In other words, what a tremendous privilege. Now, he's saying to the Corinthians uh, that we, as in him and his team, as well as the body of Corinthian believers, we are to God. As far as God is concerned, we are the fragrance of Christ, the perfume of Christ. We give up a very pleasant smell, odor, when it comes to Christ, right? And we do it to two groups of people. We do it to those who are being saved. That is the church. So we reveal Christ and we are a fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved. Remember in, in another place he says, but to them who are being saved, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's the church. So we are saved and we're being saved and we'll be saved. Salvation is past, present, future. So to those who are being saved, he says, we are a fragrance. We are the fragrance of God. We are the fragrance of Christ as far as God is concerned. And to those who are perishing, in other words, those who are lost, who do not know Christ, as far as God is concerned, we are still the fragrance of Christ. Say to your neighbor, you smell good. This is no holiness and righteousness. Amen. Now, when it comes to the world, it's like off-putting. When they see the way of Christ, it's an aroma of death. Because the way of Christ is not politically correct. The way of Christ confronts issues in love. The way of Christ is marginalized when it comes to popularism. What the the masses see as right and wrong changes from time to time. Whichever Caesar or emperor is in power determines what is right and wrong. Right now, it is the Caesar of uh, the media and the masses that is ruling everyone. Yeah. But anyway, and then to those who are being saved, is the aroma of life that leads to life. So to the world, when they see the way of Christ, this is like it's off-putting. It's the aroma of death leading to death. I don't want this. This is too hard. This is, this is not very nice. You know, why are you apologizing for? You know, so why are you being uh, so soft now? Why have why you, why you gone this way? They, they, they won't understand, but you're supposed to still allow Christ to show You don't reveal Christ simply to win people. You reveal Christ to glorify God. That's so important. He says, whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels will find it. Notice he said, my sake and the gospels. So the point I want to emphasize is we are called to leadership And how we lead is by allowing people to smell or enjoy the fragrance or the the fragrance of Christ or the reality of Christ through our lives. Now, also, there is the mandate on believers. And that is, for every believer, there is an expectation or mandate that God has. And that mandate, when you really break it down, it's a mandate of leadership. It's a mandate of leadership. 
Our call to leadership as believers, I want to stress this point, is to reveal Christ and his influence in our lives. Now, every one of us, there's a different degree of maturity. So, the way a new believer will reveal Christ is not the same as the way somebody who's been in the Lord for over 30 years will reveal Christ. But all of us will have a revelation of Christ. That's why we came to know the Lord. So, it is his influence we have received at our level of maturity that we reveal. So, if you just gave your life to Christ today, the only reality you will have is that you needed to surrender your life to Christ for whatever reason why you gave your life to Christ. And that is the reality of Christ that you have. You gave your life to Christ because of this. Maybe the Lord spoke to you. Maybe you heard something. Maybe a series of events brought you to that reality where you decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Wonderful. But that revelation is enough to save souls. That revelation is enough to cast out demons. That revelation is enough to heal the sick. That revelation is enough to speak in new tongues as far as the Lord Jesus is concerned. Why? Because in Mark 16, 17, he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All they need to do is to believe in the gospel. That's all. And that becomes their reality. So this mandate of leadership includes a call to preach the gospel. A call to preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15, and 16. I quoted the latter part. 15 says, our Lord is speaking. He says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned or damned. The point is that for every believer, we are to preach the gospel. What's preaching the gospel? Influencing people with the gospel message. That is leadership. Preaching the gospel that we have is leadership. It's providing leadership. That's how the light shines. It's providing leadership. Also, the call upon every believer is a, I'm just going to give you three for today's teach, is a call to make disciples. That's also leadership. Not only do we preach or proclaim or declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that's what gospel is, is the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. But also, we are to make disciples. This is the Great Commission, which this church is built on Matthew 28, 18 to 20. 18 to 20, and he says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all the nations, sorry, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. Now look at that phrase, teach them to observe all the things I have commanded you. There is an expectation from the Lord that every believer will be able to recognize his direct command to them. Beloved, just because our church culture allows us to think that we are not leaders, does not change that we are called to leadership. 
Beloved, just because our environment and society programs us just to follow doesn't mean we're not supposed to also lead. Beloved, just because the Western culture encourages individualism and encourages me and mine and my own does not mean that God does not have an expectation on us to work as community when it comes to his people and seeing the gospel of his kingdom come through the hearts into the hearts of men and women. We have a mandate of leadership. Say to your neighbor, you have a mandate of leadership on your life. And also, as believers, there is a call to assist those who are weaker than us. Those who are weaker than us. You see, because one of the things at times we feel very honestly is that, look at these people. I don't have what it takes to be able to tell them what to do or how to live for Jesus or whatever. It might be true, but there is always somebody who is weaker than you. There is. There is always somebody less experienced than you. And the chances are, they are in your sphere of influence. Yeah. That's the reality. In Romans 15, 1 to 3, look at what he says. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples or the weaknesses or the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches or the insults of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, the point is this. There is an expectation that God has on us to receive those who are weaker than us, spiritually weaker than us in particular is what this is referring to if you look at the context. And those who are less fortunate than us and to seek to help them for their edification. What does that mean? In other words, we help them in order to build them up to become stronger than where they were at. Beloved, you as a child of God, you have something that will build somebody else up. I'm telling you. Sometimes what you see as your failure is what somebody needs to hear. That I failed in this area. I said, but if you failed, how come you're still serving God? Because I still experience his kindness and his love. Really? You mean you could... Mess up like you have messed up. When I look at your life, it's really messed up. You know, sometimes Christians like to lie about their life. Their, their so-called testimony is full of lies. You know, since I came to the Lord, everything is beautiful. Everything's so good since I came to Jesus. Now, I don't have a worry in my life. My money is taken care of as I show my financial seeds. Blessings abound. You're lying. Now you can't even pay a tithe. You, you, you're finding it hard. You, you can't even give to church because money is gone. You've lost your job. Even though I've lost my job, I've not shed a tear. Again, another big lie. You were really crying and upset. And, you know, everything is beautiful. You know, now my wife has seen the change. Yeah, and she doesn't like it. She doesn't like the change. What is this? I didn't marry you. We used to watch porn together and now enjoy ourselves. Now we can't do it. What are you talking? Please. 
Okay, I'll preach on. <laughs> yeah, so, listen, people don't need to hear lies. Tell them the truth. Since I gave my life to Jesus, everything is rubbish. And I don't like this. It's not nice. So why are you still doing it? Because, mm, fire insurance. What do you mean fire insurance? No, serious. I'm not going to go to hell if I don't. What? You believe it? Yes, I do. Don't tell people lies. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't transform anyone, especially you. Eventually, you give it up. It's like, you know, I'm jacking the whole thing in. Tell them the truth. Listen, my first four years, you've heard me say, I know those of you who've been in church for a while, you've heard this many times. One day I was in prison, I was preaching, and one guy said to me, listen, I've heard all your stories. I've heard all your stories. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the again. But honestly, the first four years, of being a Christian were rubbish. I didn't like it. I didn't, especially the first two years, I didn't like being a Christian. I regret, I think every day I regretted it. I said to myself, what possessed me to say to Jesus to come into my life at that time? I should have waited a few more years, sinned some more, you know, did some more sinning, then give my life to Christ. Now I can't do the thing that I wanted to do. I was so upset. And then some of my friends, one or two friends, they tell me how beautiful and wonderful being a Christian is. And I just looked at them for, no. They said, Joe, since I gave my life to Christ, even the colors are different. I said, they're not different. There's nothing, I don't, it's like the birds. Are, I was like, what are you talking about? This is the most miserable decision I ever made in my life. Of course, he saved my soul. And as the changes took place, when I shared my testimony, it was very powerful. You see, so don't make up lies about your life. My point I'm making is that your failures can help people. If you allow Christ to be revealed through it. Can you say amen? amen. So in conclusion, embrace the call to leadership on your life. James 4, now this one is a bit of an uppercut. This is what we call a half Nelson. Anyone know the term half Nelson in wrestling? It's basically we get them in an arm lock they can't get out. Or some kind of lock they can't get out. This is my half Nelson, James 4, 17. It says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Ha! Pastor, did you bring us here to blackmail us? I'm just sharing the word as it came to my spirit. Listen to me. There is a leadership mandate on your life, whether you like it or not. Without a doubt, I have proven it. My weak skills has even proven it. That God's word tells the Christian that we are to be leaders like salt and light influences. But where? Where to? First of all, our call to leadership is to the world. That is... Any context we find ourselves that is hostile to God's kingdom. We are to be light and salt. We are to show what Christ is like. And then secondly, it's to the church, in the church. You don't need a position to be a leader in the church. Can you say amen? Now, when I say I'll meet all the leaders here, I'm, not, I'm talking about those who have 
specific responsibilities. I don't want to see all of you here uh, after the, at the end of the service. But um, technically speaking, our influence of Christ is to our world and is to our fellow believers. And it involves the following. Our responsibility to ourselves. First of all, we have to learn to allow Christ to influence us. Ourselves. Secondly, our responsibility to our families. Our immediate family and external families. Our family members need to see Christ in us. So, before, you were known for swearing and rages and lying and stealing and cheating. Do you know family members, they know this about us? Oh, Joe, don't mind them. I mean, I remember once in one Christmas um, um, dinner with my family before most of them came to the Lord. We, we, we gathered to eat and uh, I said, uh, yeah, let me have some of that wine. Let me have some of that wine. Not as a pastor, I'm just saying. I'm not saying pastors come, but I don't. Let's just be clear, because I'm not very... Anyway, so I said, let me have some of that wine. And my big sister said, hey, I thought you called you. You said you were a Christian. Yeah, you're using that. And then my other big brother said, just because he's a Christian doesn't mean he can't drink wine. After all, when the Bible doesn't say, didn't even Jesus turn water into wine? Quoting scripture. This one was saying that, and that one was saying, and I said, eh. I said, stop the wine right now. If wine is going to be your reason why you don't come to know Lord, I'm not touching. And he said, no, 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 go, go. I said, no. Got a reason to preach. I said, no, I'm not touching it. So Christmas after Christmas would come, and I won't touch the wine. I said, oh, Joe, are you not touching? I said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Now, in the end, they all came in. Hallelujah. I'm not sure the wine had much to do with it, but they all came in because some of them still drink the thing. But let's move on quickly. <coughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, but the point I'm making is sometimes your family may not say anything, but they're really watching. You said you are a Christian. They're really watching. Are you really a Christian? You know, my, my, I've got 10 minutes left and then I'm done. My, my daughter, I hope she doesn't, I don't get in trouble for this, but my daughter actually sometimes when she... That's something when she apologizes and I say, well, she says to me, but as a Christian, dad, you are supposed to forgive me. She quotes the, the, the tenants of the kingdom. As a Christian, dad, you're supposed to forgive me. If I say sorry, you're supposed to accept as a Christian. Uh, looking like, uh, 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 yeah. But don't do it again. Don't do it again. Yeah, because... It starts there. Yourself and then with your family. Say my family. Say my family must see the change. Yeah, they must see the change. What's the point of winning everybody else by losing your family? Nah. Also, our responsibility to provide leadership is to our friends. Say our friends. Your friends. Those people you play with. You know, after I gave my heart to the Lord, my friends were one of the first people saying, you, <laughs> never. Your friends will do that because they're your friends. They know you. Now, 35 years later, Joe, you, you, enough respect. But they have to see the change because I was known for 
being a real toe rag, to be frank, amongst my friends. I mean, imagine your own friends talking about you behind your back, about how bad you are. That's what kind of friend I was. And I was listening. They didn't know I was listening. I was listening. I was in the toilet, and they'd come in and say, what's wrong with Joe, man? What's wrong with Joe? And I was listening. And I made sure I got all the juice. I said, hey, guys, by the way, I heard all that. Oh, Joe, I said, yeah, I heard all of that. Hey, really? I agreed with them, though, because I was a real toe rag. Do you know what a toe rag is? Is this swearing in this modern PC world? It's old-fashioned language. Okay, old-fashioned. 80s is old-fashioned now. Okay, okay. Our responsibility is also to our colleagues, those we work with. Those we work with must see the change. That you're a real Christian, you don't nick pens. You don't, you don't do phone calls you're not supposed to do. You don't go take too much time coming late and clocking early. You come in late and clock in early. Oh, we all do it, you know, in this place. Uh, you have to do it. Uh, <clears throat> but you were late. Yeah, I know, but, you know, technically I wasn't late because technically as I was coming, I was talking on the phone about work. You were late. Make phone calls that are illegal. So a lot of that that happens amongst Christians. You've gone very quiet. Our work colleagues should see the change. Why aren't you... Uh, um, watching um, BBC on your iPad because I don't have a TV license. Because I don't have a TV license. That's why. Why are you driving so slowly? Because the speed limit is 50, not 95, 50. So as a child of God, I'm under authority. So the speed limit is 50, and so I drive 50. See, that this, now this is where people say this is false doctrine. This is just false doctrine. You're just teaching opinions now. <laughs> also, our responsibility is to fellow believers. Say fellow believers. Sometimes your fellow believer loses their way. They start complaining. Listen, let me tell you. Listen, I remember there are times me and my, my, my crew in church, we really thought we knew how the church ought to go. And we'd be complaining about how the pastor is this and how the pastor is that. How many of you had your pastor jibes? I mean, don't wave your hand. Okay, okay, my wife has raised her hand. She's had the pastor's jibes. You see, it's normal. These things are normal. You know, when people say, you know, people are grumbling, remember, it's normal. It's so normal. It's written in the Bible, do not murmur or grumble because some of them died. It's normal. It's normal. But, but, at times, as you show leadership, you're able to say to your friend, no, 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 don't talk like that. That's not right. Now, what you're saying is not right. I know what pastor said was wrong, but what you're doing is also wrong. Don't, 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 don't do that. You show leadership. Hey, as for you, Mr. Spiritual. Yeah, Mr. Spiritual. You know, in our 80s years, in the olden days, when we would talk and rebuke each other about doing the right thing, they would say spiritual, spiritual, to diffuse it. Like you're swearing, and I say, stop swearing. You say, oh, look at him, he's being spiritual. No, I'm being normal. You're being an idiot. Stop swearing. Also, our responsibility is to strangers, people that don't know us. Now, sometimes I find this hardest, especially if you're driving, and a stranger cuts you. The last thing you want to do is to show them the leadership of Christ. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. I want to tell them, and use my finger in a manner, you know, there's one, there's two, you know, use your finger. 
And at times, I'm actually worshiping God. You know, and then they'll do something. And I just, idiot. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart. So, no. At least they didn't hear it, but he heard it. And then our responsibility to our church. So, as a child of God, I conclude you have the opportunity to embrace this call of leadership. It's not about taking a position in church. I'm not going to make an appeal to become a cell leader, so don't worry about that. It's an appeal to commit to revealing Christ. Can you say amen? It's an appeal to embrace your responsibility to influence your world and other believers with the fragrance of Christ in you. Embracing the call to leadership is your privilege. Let's pray. I want to pray with you. So if you want to respond in any shape or form, you want to say, yes, Lord, I'm saying yes to this. I'm rededicating myself to this. You don't have to stand if you don't want to. But if you want to do so and stand, you don't have to stand. If you want to do so and stand, stand right now. And as you stand, raise your hands. But you don't have to stand. You can do so without standing. But you want to make a public declaration and say to the Lord, you know what, Lord? I'm saying yes. I embrace your call of leadership of my life. Why don't you stand where you are right now? And as you stand, you are making a stand of faith. You're saying to him, Lord, I want your light to shine through me. I want to be salt to my world. And as you stand, you're asking for the grace to do this. The reason why I want you to stand is sometimes when you stand like that, it's a stronger act of faith than when you sit. You don't have to stand. But for some of us, we need to because of what we've been going through, because of what we've been facing. So as you stand, raise your hands to him. So Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious ones that are standing right now. And everyone else who is seated but is saying yes to your call of leadership on their life. I pray for grace. I pray for strength. I pray for the spirit of wisdom in this regard. That from today, these that stand before you will experience an increased measure of grace to reveal Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. You may be seated, David.